For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And joining me, as always, is my top-notch co-host, James Johnson of the Jaguars Wire from USA Today. Jay, how are you doing here this evening, sir? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Glad to be back as business has picked up in the football community. I mean, we did have the XFL, which... I have been watching the reruns of that, which has been quite entertaining. But in terms of NFL football, it looks like we're back in business. Uh, Business will be picking up as you have seen with the content on the Jaguars wire and just NFL media in general. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk some combine and the multitude of other topics that we have to speak on today. Yeah, lots of moves being made around the NFL and plenty of moves being made or are about to be made with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we have plenty to talk about here today, you guys. Now, of course, before we start, we want to make sure to remind you, if you are enjoying this show, please go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. That is one of the best ways that you can support the podcast. Jay, as I mentioned last week, I've just been, you know, completely overwhelmed by the feedback that we've gotten from fans, a lot of them who have followed us from the Jags Den podcast and the Jaguars Wire. So we really appreciate that support. And yeah, Jay, I don't know how you, if you've been keeping up with it, but yeah, like I said, it's just been really, really cool. Yeah, man, it's been absolutely amazing to watch unfold, man. I've been, I'll check in here and there with the iTunes reviews. That's the main one that I look at. And uh, we are at 19 now, five-star reviews. So anybody listening right now, help us get to that 20 mark and beyond. And also uh, put your comments in there as well. And uh, share, comment, rate, subscribe, this, that, and the other. Uh, We appreciate all of the love and support that we have been receiving. And uh, yeah, we also got other ways to support the podcast. Basically, if you go to our link tree, it'll just send you in any direction that you need to uh, basically get connected with us, whether that's uh, through iTunes, Stitcher, uh, you name it, me and Phil's uh, actual Twitter accounts, the Twitter account for Believe in the Jags, this, that, and the other. So that's linktr.ee, and then it's Believe in Jags or slash Believe in Jags after that. We also have a Patreon, which we talked about last week. And uh, now that it's fully set up, we got our goals set on there. So feel free to check us out on there and support the show in that way. So, you know, me and Phil can be more hands on during the regular season and follow the team and, uh, you know, take, you know, occasional trip here and there with the team when they are away from Jacksonville. And that is Patreon.com 
believe in the Jags slash believe in the Jags. That is. And you also can email us your questions and, and whatnot on believe in the Jags or at believe in the Jags at gmail.com. And we also, as I promised, have that voicemail set up for those who want to leave a voicemail question and uh, want that played in the podcast. We'll probably do if we can two two per podcast or something like that of the voice recordings in which somebody asks us a question about what's going on with the Jags this offseason. And the number for that is 478-277-3907. So feel free to connect with us in that manner as well. That is correct. And just as Jay alluded to very briefly there, if this you're a first-time listener, you can pretty much find our podcast anywhere you are listening. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find myself on Twitter at Phil the Filipino and Jay at SportsGrind underscore Don. If you are interested in advertising in this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. We are actively looking for a for new sponsors, and there are plenty of opportunities on there. And then, of course, you know, one more thing we want to shout out before we get started is just our buddy and our partner in crime, Jacob DeLawrence, as well as his his uh, partner over at Believe in NXT, Cedric Welton. They have been just working really hard on their Believe in NXT podcast, and man, they're coming fresh off the heels of NXT Portland, so they've got a lot to talk about. And we're heading into WrestleMania season. It's only going to get better. So, Jay, I don't know if you've gotten caught up with Believe in NXT, but it's getting pretty good. <laughs> no, I actually haven't gotten caught up with Believe in NXT. But I actually, funny thing is, I have Jacob's Yukon uh, podcast, the Believe in Yukon's Women's Basketball podcast. I had I have that actually queued on my uh, Apple podcast on my iPhone because he just posted it on Twitter like hours ago. So I queued that up. And that's the one I'm going to be listening to next. And then I guess I'll roll around and get into the NXT one uh, because, yeah, you're right. Like NXT has gotten interesting. I've gotten to um, catch up on an episode from I think it was last week that I saw. Curious to know uh, what how they feel about that matter and what went on last Wednesday. And I'll definitely be tuning in uh, from my iPhone or wherever the case may be. That is correct. So let's move on to this week's topics. You guys, you've probably listened to us ramble on long enough, but we appreciate you guys being here. So the Jaguars are starting to make some roster moves to free up that cap space. We've kind of been mentioning it, mentioning it here or there. It's been a pretty big topic in the Jaguar social media world um, as far as specifically Twitter. So the Jaguars have are set to release both Jake Ryan and Marcel Darius to free up some cap space. Releasing Ryan saves $5.5 million towards the cap, and releasing Marcel Darius saves $20 million. So, Jay, what do you think about this? I think we pretty much saw this coming, and there's even talks that maybe the team would be interested in bringing Marcel back. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think maybe we'll still see him here in the long run when, it all, when it's all said and done? Yeah, these were two, as you said, predicted moves pretty much, and I think... It puts the Jags at over 20 million in available cap space. They were in the hole a little bit, according to over the cap, at least uh, they were in the hole about I think it was like three to five million. So that explains why the Jaguars didn't recoup the full amount from both of those uh, cuts or those releases. Uh, Dave Caldwell actually got a chance. He spoke on it briefly on the Marcel Darius situation. Um, and if I can recall, he did say they are open to bringing him, bringing him back. Uh, so we've heard from him on the matter, and he did confirm that, yes, 
uh, they will not be picking up the last year of Darius's deal. And basically he said that, you know, they knew that last year when they restructured his deal and, uh, you know, they, they put it to where, you know, basically he would come back on a cap friendly amount last year. They knew that basically this year that they probably wouldn't be retaining him. Uh, this, that, and the other. So, I mean, I'm thinking if, you know, in his, if you're in his shoes, he's probably going to look around, weigh his options. But Marcel Darius has said in the past that he does like Jacksonville. Uh, he loved the fact of returning to Doug Marone. Um, and it seems like he likes Doug Marone as a coach, despite like the reports we had heard of what went on with him with the Bills and Marone. But it clearly, he likes Jacksonville. He likes Marone. Again, he'll weigh his options. It puts him close to home because I think he is from Alabama. It'll keep him close to home. So uh, he'll probably look into that. But I would think there will be suitors on the market. I know my comrade uh, from the Texas, my comrades from the Texas Wire uh, posted a post. I can't remember who posted it specifically from the Texas Wire, but I remember seeing it on Twitter. You know, they were looking into maybe if they lose DJ Reader maybe getting a nose tackle to replace him. So he'll have options. We don't know exactly where, but, you know, I would say I'll give him about a 40-ish, 50-ish chance. Uh, And this is my personal take, not anything that I know from the inside to maybe return to Jacksonville. But I guess ultimately it's one of those time will tell type of things. Yeah, and I think the fans would like to see him back. As, you know, just as we mentioned, we kind of saw this coming, but it, it seems like he's really enjoyed his time here things in Buffalo towards the end, I think got a little stale for him. And I I think he just really enjoys being in the locker room among guys like Calais Campbell, like AJ Boye, which is another name that we'll probably get to maybe a little bit down the line. As far as, you know, cuts, there's a lot of rumors swirling about him, but yeah, they're just looking to free up more of this room and, you know, well, it's yet to be seen how they're going to spend this money. But I personally would like to see Marcel back. Like I said, he's a fan favorite and he seems to really, really enjoy it here. So it seems like, Jay, you're putting it at about a 50-50 chance that he returns to us. So, of course, make sure you keep up with the Jaguars wire, and we will break that news for you as soon as it is available. So moving on to the next topic here. So per Gene Frenette of the Florida Times Union, the Jaguars and the Patriots are exploring a pre-draft trade for Ravens tight end Hayden Hurst. Now, for those of you who were not listening to the Jags Den, Hayden Hurst, his name came up a lot during the Jalen Ramsey discussions uh, because of, uh, apparently he was involved in a trade offer from Baltimore um, that we would get Hayden Hurst along with some draft picks. So it seems like Hayden is, is going to be tied to Jacksonville again heading into the draft. Uh, the trade possibilities are going to depend on the draft compensation that the teams are winning, willing to give. Uh, currently, he's got 349 yards and two touchdowns this past year and had 163 yards and one touchdown the year before this one. So, Jay, I don't know how you feel about Hayden Hurst. We'll get to, uh, you know, we'll get to your thoughts. I'm, I'm a guy who's never really been sold on him, but again, he is also in an offense that's not really conducive to really needing him. They have Mark Andrews and then they have uh, Nick Boyle. So he really just kind of fell into a place where, where, where they drafted him, yes, that he probably thought he was going to be a primary option. But now that that offense has evolved and, uh, you know, he's had flashes here and there, he's really in a place that just does not need him. Yeah. And, you know, I was not open to the Jalen Ramsey trade. I think it was, and Gene Fournette actually reported that as well, or, you know, it was rumored from Gene Fournette 
again, um, you know, we, we haven't had a confirmation on it or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, that trade involved, I think it was a first, a second, and Hurst included in the trade for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, my thing was, you know, Jalen Ramsey is a generational talent, um, and I just didn't want to give him up, even, you know what I'm saying, with the the draft picks and Hurst. Uh, if they were going to do it, which this is eventually what happened, I wanted to do it for two first-round picks you know, two top 20-ish picks out of the deal, which, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, the Rams called and the rest is history. We do have uh, two first-round picks within, you know, the next two years or so. All of that said, uh, you know, I'm open to bringing Hayden Hurst in now that it doesn't cost you Jalen Ramsey, but now it's more so at what cost in terms of the draft compensation. Uh, Clearly, he was drafting in the first round, which we said, that said, you know, I'm not willing to part ways with a first round pick, and I'm sure that's not the action price for him. Uh, a second would be too high, too, for him, in my opinion, looking at his production. Like you said, 349 yards last year, two touchdowns. And then the year before that, his rookie season, it was 163 yards for one touchdown. He really hasn't been allowed to be that productive into his credit. You know, it's not his fault because, as you said, they got Mark Andrews, they got Boyle. They got all of these productive tight ends over there uh, that kind of take away from him. And, you know, he may be open to coming to somewhere where he can get more looks and more receptions and more of this, that and the other. But me personally, I wouldn't even give up a second round pick uh, for him. You know, not maybe a third, because when you look at it, that's where you got Josh Oliver, if you will. Um, but the thing with the Jags picks, they're relatively high in the draft order, too. Uh, so, you know, it's, we, we got some valuable picks, but that would be enticing to the Baltimore Ravens at the same time because they're in the back of the draft order. They went to the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, maybe that third round pick, I can maybe live with that. Uh, definitely would live with a fourth, giving them a fourth because he is a player that, you know, is, I guess you could say, kind of a veteran. Uh, although he's only been in the league for two years, he probably is a proven player and better than any tight end option is what I'm saying that you can get out of the draft. So I guess time will tell. We'll see what they do. But I do not want to give up a first to second round pick for him, which I doubt the Ravens would be asking for. Uh, but if they are, it's a no go for me. I mean, just looking in, and granted, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of Ravens football, but just given the market that's going to be available for tight ends. I guess financially, this makes more sense. He'd still be on that rookie deal. But for me, I would much rather them target some of those tight ends that, you know, we've been discussing here that's that are going to be coming up in free agency. Now, watch what happens. You know, Hayden Hurst end up going to the Patriots and then all of a sudden be an all pro. That's exactly the Patriot way. And that's exactly how it would uh, happen for Jags fans. But I mean, I'd much rather see them target a you know an ebron or i mean and some people are kind of mixed on on hooper but i think also hunter henry is the other name that's out there right yes yeah, hunter henry uh hooper of course is at the top and eric ebron those are the three main ones we've mentioned on the jaguars wire you might can get hunter henry uh, a little cheaper than hooper hooper's gonna set the market basically he's gonna command top dollar and he's gonna be the highest paid tight end uh, the Jaguars, technically, I guess, depending on who they cut, could squeeze Hooper in there as, as well. They'll probably have a deal where basically they'll have to, you know, front load it or I'm sorry, back load it. Uh, but then again, you know, I don't know with Hooper. 
he's so young. I think he's 25 years age. He might be looking for a simple three year term, which, you know, that that might not hurt the Jazz either a three year term. But make no mistake about it. He'll probably be looking at or pushing 11 million a year. So I'm thinking that's going to probably cause a bit in war and the Jaguars are probably not going to get involved with that. You know, not saying that their cap situation is terrible, uh, but I, I would definitely say it's not in the condition to go into a bidding war for somebody. Uh, that's why I feel like, yeah, I'm with you on the Ebron thing. I feel like Ebron is much more affordable and maybe Hunter Henry, but I think due to the injuries, he'll be more affordable. But at the same time, I'm not 100% sure that the Chargers are going to let him hit the market. I th- I don't think they are, to be honest with you. In the end, I think they'll keep him to some capacity. Uh, and that being said, I think the Jaguars' best bet would be to go with Eric Ebron, who we know for a fact because the Colts have come out and said it will hit the open market. And also Eric Ebron is a guy that you can see the Jags getting from the perspective of them being very familiar with him. They, you know, for crying out loud, in that 2018 season, his best season, uh, he he definitely called up our defense, uh, as did Hunter Henry earlier in the year. But um, I think Dave Caldwell would be intrigued by Ebron from a perspective that he'll be more affordable. Uh, he's somebody they know as well. And they, he's somebody you might could get on a smaller term deal as well. I mean, tight end has just been a position that we've been trying to fill for so long. I mean, go back to Julius Thomas. That never worked out. You know, Mercedes Lewis, of course, was a you know a solid player but and he didn't make a pro bowl but he was never really you know the the beast that we thought he was going to be i mean we've got kyle brady is probably the t- best tight end we ever had in team history so and then and then we moved on uh to who we have now and uh, yeah it's just hopefully we can get this position locked down because it seems like they they really want to emphasize the tight end position, but we just haven't found that right guy yet. And they're probably going to have to spend a little money or like we've been talking about some draft capital to find that guy. Yeah. And one more thing about the Hayden Hurst situation, uh, if true now that could be saying that the Jaguars might not be freeing up much more cap space aside from what they're, they freed up uh, than we believe. Because like you said, Hurst is coming in on a rookie deal that's relatively cheap. He was chosen in the back of the first round. That's an affordable option in terms of financially and ingesting that into the cap. Uh, But as you said, that would cause draft compensation. Uh, But that being said, you know, maybe that's a sign their interest in Hurst uh, may be a sign that they don't want to spend a lot of money at tight end in free agency. Um, And they do have Josh Oliver as well, who to me, like... My thing with Josh Oliver has always been because a lot of people mention him, uh, but he hasn't really proven much to us. He hasn't really practiced on the field all that much. He hasn't really played in that many games. Uh, So from that perspective and the addition of them having to learn a new system from Jay Gruden, we should treat Josh Oliver as he as if he's coming in on his rookie season and probably won't produce all that much uh, because of how much he was set back last year and the fact that he's going to be learning the new system. So, you know, he's not a guy that I'm I'm necessarily trying to bury under the depth chart, but the Jaguars do need a veteran, a proven commodity, somebody that, that's been in the league that could probably pick it up quick, uh, whether that be a Hayden Hurst who's been in the league two years or, like we said, you know, uh, Eric Ebron, if they feel like they can afford that. But right now, like that move with with uh, Hurst might say, 
they are really trying to do this for as cheap. And what I mean, do this by, I mean, as in addressing the tight end position, do it in the cheapest form that they can and maybe spend money elsewhere. Right. So hopefully, you know, as I mentioned, we can get the tight end position locked down and for the least amount of money or draft capital that it's going to take. And, you know, especially it's going to benefit who we think the eventual starter is going to be, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is going to be Gardner Minshew. It's only going to make him better to have a target like that that's reliable. So, again, something we will keep an eye on. Moving on to our next topic here, uh, Mike DiRocco, VSPN, believes that Yannick Ngakwe wants a deal that pays out roughly $22 million annually. That is going to make him the highest paid defensive end in football over to Marcus Lawrence. Annually, that would put him only under pass rushers Aaron Donald, who is at 22.5, and Khalil Mack, who is at 23.5. So what happens now? So we got the money. Um, you and I have been pretty vocal about how we feel, both uh, you know here on social media and on the podcast. You know, do you think do you think his mind is made up? Do you think Yannick just wants to go? Or do you think he's just still continuing to play this game where he's going to be able to maximize his money and his potential? Where do you think we go from here? Because this decision is going to be coming up very soon. Yeah. So when when you're looking at it from Dave Caldwell's perspective, he did say that they're trying to focus at one thing at a time. He really didn't really provide an update on a Yannick Ngakwe situation. So it looks as if basically uh, from what he was saying, you know, they're going to focus on free agency first um, and then focus on the draft and then see what they have afterwards. And then they'll probably try and invest it into Yannick and Gakwe. Now, again, they did say before this last month or that uh, pre-season or post-season presser that they're going to make Yannick and Gakwe and Gakwe their number one priority. Uh, so for me, making him the number one priority would be getting him taken care of before he signed a free agents, in, in my opinion. So that's kind of contradictory in a way, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what route they go and, and uh, you know, what kind of patience Yannick and Gakwe has towards that situation. But it feels like what they are heading towards is franchising him temporarily. I do not think that he's going to play on the franchise tag, uh, and I definitely don't think he's going to show up on the franchise tag until late as possible, if that uh, so that will probably only, you know, complicate the situation even more. Uh, that being said, I do think in the end, when, you know, things are clearer, I do think Dave Caldwell does want to get uh, this deal done in terms of getting Yannick and Gakwe paid. In terms of the, the money that they freed up, they have freed up enough to franchise him. And again, I believe that's what they're going to do. I do think in the end, they'll probably try and front load the deal or back load it, should I say. Uh, or, or structure it like Frank Clark's deal where, you know, Fl- Frank Clark, I think his cap hit on the year that he signed his new deal with the Chiefs was like six point five million dollars. They'll probably do that. They'll probably try and save, you know, when when everything's done, the draft free agency, they'll try and save that amount, that six point five or, or somewhere around that nine ish, maybe or maybe ten ish uh, to take a cap hit on Ngakwe for his deal, uh, albeit. This, you know, the money that he wants is a lot of money. Uh, don't get me wrong about that. Uh, but my question has always been in terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars and everybody saying we shouldn't pay him. That's an expensive contract. Well, my question has always been, why not pay him? Because who do the Jaguars have to pay past 2020? 
you think about it, Calais Campbell will be off the books if he plays on his deal this year. This is the last year of his deal. You have to think Marcel Darius won't be on the books past 2020, even if he comes back this year. Uh, you will have to think like they'll start trending towards getting A.J. Boye off the books or, uh, you know, maybe trying to figure out something with him because I think that'll be the last year of his deal. Uh, you would think if Nick Foles doesn't win the competition between him and Gardner Minshew and me and Phil feel like Gardner Minshew will win the competition, you got to feel like he's not going to be on the books past 2020, whether the Jaguars trade him this year or, you know, they decide to do something next year where he does have an out in his contract. Um, and he may be more cuttable or, you know, just you could get rid of him easier than you would now. So that being said, like past this year, the Jaguars can afford to take big cap hits on Yannick Ngakwe because there is nobody on this team other than him to pay, you know, maybe DD Westbrook, if he blows up this year, can can be a guy that might want some money. Uh, but really, there isn't anybody to pay, especially if Foles is off the books or, you know, Foles is not a part of the long term future. Gardner Minshew's on a dirt cheap deal, you know, so you don't even have to worry about paying a franchise quarterback for another two years as well. So that has always been my argument about keeping him. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, this is and to bring up a situation going on elsewhere in the league. One of the things that's tying up the Dak Prescott deal is his agent wants them to pay out a contract that's going to be representative of this new collective collective bargaining agreement. So would it not make sense now to sign Jan at the rate that you're going to get him for? Because in a year or two, it might not be that bad of a deal like what we've seen with like uh, some of the quarterbacks now that have deals that at the time seemed insane. But now, like Jared Goff, is now not really that big of a deal. So wouldn't it not make sense to bring in, to pay on this money now? Because it's not really going to matter too much in a year or two. Absolutely. In, in a year or two, this contract, his contract that he takes it for isn't going to look all that expensive. You got guys like Miles Garrett coming up on a deal. You you have to think he's going to set the market. The you know, exactly. Exactly. They're coming up on deals. They're going to look at Yannick's deal and they definitely can make a case that they got more sacks than him or could make a case later down the road that they got more sacks than him. You know, they'll point that out. They'll get their money. They'll probably get paid more than him. So within the next year or two, we're looking at Yannick probably being somewhere the fifth highest paid defensive end and probably the eighth highest paid pass rusher in, in just the span of two years. That's just how crazy that position is and how crazy uh, of a next man up type of mentality that position brings. So you're right. Yeah, like that deal won't look on that bad in the in the um, future. And I mean, a prime example is the, the deal that Daniil Hunter got two years ago. You know, here we were two years ago talking about Yannick Ngakwe getting the deal that or, or something a little bit better than what Daniil Hunter got. And now that deal just looks just like it's just getting blown out of the water by these other pass rushers. So, you know, in my opinion, go ahead, pay him now. I think if you, you know, offer him, like I said, 6.5 to, you know, maybe nine to 10 million on his first year of his deal or the, the year that he signs it, you know, send him into the new CBA that could consist of work stoppage, send him into the next CBA with some money in his pocket. He might be more enticed to sign it. And from that perspective, when he comes back from the CBA, then we'll take on the higher cap hits, you know, in the, the 18 to $20 million range type of cap hits that you see these guys like Frank Clark taking uh, in, in the later part of their deals. 
you know, the Jaguars will be more suitable to take on those after the new CBA. You know, there's a reason why towards the end of the, our run with the Jags Den that we started ending our show with hashtag Payon because he's done everything that you could possibly want and then some out of a third round pick. You guys fell, you know, this guy fell into your laps and, and kudos to them for finding him and, and recognizing his talent. But the guy out has outperformed on every single level and he deserves to be rewarded for that. And if the Jaguars don't reward him for it, somebody else will. So they need to keep Josh Allen and Jan together for as long as they possibly can. You have these bookends, you're set there. And then you talk about the possibility of maybe adding a guy like Javon Kinlaw to that line. Are you kidding me? Like jump on this opportunity. Like, like we just said, pay him now because in a year or two, you're, it's going to be fine. Please just for the love of God, don't do the Jaguar thing and let this guy walk. I mean, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. Some people in Jaguar Twitter think his his mind has already been made up, and that may have to do with everything that's gone on in the organization. So that may, it may be out of our hands, but I hope they at least try. Yeah, you make a great point. And another thing is with this new CBA, they're going to stress probably, because in the last CBA, they stressed spending money on the players, and you know they give you this amount that you have to use within X amount of years or whatever the case may be. That'll still, that'll probably even further be the case in the new CBA. You know, the, the players are probably going to stress spending more money than the last CBA said on, on players. And again, if in, in the Jazz case, they will have to spend the money on somebody. Uh, and they, you know, it's looking right now like they won't have anybody to really spend that money on or at least for now, you know, it's looking that way. We'll see. And the other thing is, I think Jazz fans have to realize or they have to to reflect back on the days where it was just a task to find a, a, pa- a franchise pass rusher. Back when we had Gene Smith, even back like during some of Shaq Harris's time. We really didn't have a franchise pass rusher like that. And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, Yannick's not all that good against the run. Well, in today's pass happy league, you know, I don't really care about what you could do against the run. I mean, you can't be atrocious there. Uh, But Yann has stepped up his game enough in that category to what really matters is that you need somebody to get the quarterback on the ground. These Tom Brady's, these Aaron Rodgers or, well, we're coming up on a new era where it's going to be guys like Lamar Jackson and and Deshaun Watson running around back there, more mobile guys. We're coming up on an era where you're going to need somebody like Yannick and Gakwe, and you're going to need somebody like Josh Allen. You're going to really need two to three good pass rushers in the era we're coming up in because quarterbacks are getting so fast. And the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, need to realize that. And I, I think, you know what I'm saying, like fans, when they look into the future from that perspective and they look into the past and see where we came from at the defensive end position, then maybe it's a little bit easier to accept giving Yannick and Godquay that kind of a contract. Yeah, and, and just make the rest of the league pay for letting these two guys fall to us. First, you know, of course, Jan to the third round and then Josh Allen just last year. People saying over and over again, how in the world did he fall to where he did? So this they have an opportunity here to build something that's going to last for a long time. And yeah, the rest of the team's success is is kind of up in the air right now. But it, you can have this position locked down where, like you said, we spent so long trying to find someone to to rush the passer, you know, going back to uh, who is the first? Oh, Derek Harvey, you know, going back to Derek Harvey, that guy 
didn't pan out ever. Tyson Alu Alu. So now you have those guys, their homegrown talent. You know, like I said, just please don't let this opportunity just just slip through your hands. You know, I I, I know I how I feel. I think we know it's pretty clear how how Jay feels. So let's just you know hope that they are able to get it done. So that's what we wanted to talk about and discuss in terms of the current roster and how things look right now. We're going to look ahead a little bit because the combine is coming up this week. Uh, well, it's already started, and uh, there are definitely some prospects that we feel like you guys should keep an eye on. Jay has laid out a few that we're going to discuss, and we feel like you guys should. These are the names that should be on your radar. Now, of course, Jacksonville has two picks. We're going to pick a nine and 20, and I don't know about you, Jay. I just have this weird feeling things could get very interesting, especially with that nine pick. There's so much, you know, so many rumors going on this time of year, and I think there's going to be a really, really good player available there at nine. So, Start wherever you'd like. We've got some names here. Who do you? Who, who are some uh, combine invites that we're really looking forward to seeing what they can do uh, this weekend? Yeah, I agree with you that you know, and maybe it's because we're spoiled and we're used to it happening, uh, where a player always falls to us. But I will start by saying, yeah, I agree. I think a player will fall to us that's not supposed to be there, and uh, it's probably because things will get chaotic as it they always do uh, with the quarterback position. You know, people want to trade up and that offsets a player uh, to fall back further than they would have originally. So, you know, maybe we're looking at a at a, uh, you know, a basically at a situation where Jeff Okuda falls to us. I, I'm doubtful on that. But then again, I was doubtful that Jalen Ramsey will fall to us or, you know, maybe a Derek Brown will fall to us, which brings me to my next point in which I will segue into uh, the four combine invites, which. Um, I, I at least am anticipating it could have been many, many more on this list, but for the sake of time and, and making this a, a short podcast, I just went with four and Derek Brown is one of the people actually on there. So I'll start on the defensive side uh, with Derek Brown. I think he could be available uh, at the number nine pick. And he's a guy that just on, on tape, he just shows unreal ability, whether it's stuff in the run um, getting underneath offensive linemen. Uh, he could be a three technique, you know, a guy that can rush the pass, passer, so to speak, or be much more what the Jaguars are hoping Taven Bryan could be for the interior. Uh, he's a guy that eats double teams, you know, is a space eater as well. If you're looking for somebody who does what Marcel Darius does for the defense. So you really can't go wrong with him. And, you know, if he does fall to us, you sprint to the podium, you make that pick. And, uh, you know, you proceed to basically dominate in the trenches and get back to where you were uh, or a closer back to where you were in 2017. Uh, the next one uh, is also from Auburn. And this is my second defensive pick. Noah Ickbignogany. Basically, you know, he I feel like he and shout outs to our guy that uh, Daniel Griffiths that actually brought uh, him Noah to my attention in terms of a prospect. But he's a guy that is going to rise during the combine process. And if he rises his stock to a first round pick, I guess we could say uh, goodbye to our chances of getting him. Uh, but that being said, now as a second round pick, if he's still there, uh, I think he'll do a lot of good things at the combine that will impress people uh, because it, there is a lot of raw talent there. He's still uh, relatively new to the cornerback position He will, because he went to Auburn as a receiver initially. 
um, and he became a cornerback. And, you know, he put together some good moments on film, uh, especially, you know, you see the moments where he fared OK against the Alabama receivers, the Henry Ruggs um, and, and the, the Judy's of the world. So that being said, you know, he's a guy that I will definitely be looking at and will have my eyes on, especially for that second round pick. Um, And he's the son of two Olympic runners. I forget. I think his mom's name was Faith and uh, his dad's name was Festus, but both of whom were Olympic participants. Um, I think his dad participated in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta and his mom might have participated in the Olympics uh, before that. So that being said, like he's just he has the genes. He has the makeup of a very fast player. Um, It's just a matter of putting all the other tools together in terms of uh, learning the cornerback position, which he has been doing while at Auburn. He's been developing very well and he has a high ceiling and uh, you put him in good hands with a good defensive backs coach. And uh, the sky might be the limit for this young man. So those are my two defensive picks. I got two offensive picks here. And coincidentally, they're uh, receivers because this receivers class to me is just ridiculous, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's deep. It has a variety of receivers, whether you want the tall guys that can go up and pluck it out of the sky. It has the fast guys, this, that and the other. And I mean, typically receivers anyway are the more interesting people in the combine or, or defensive backs because, uh, you know, they test well with all of these drills that you do or what have you. So the first one I got is Henry Ruggs, who I spoke on when I was talking about Noah. He's a guy that a lot of people think he can run possibly in the four twos. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I, I know everybody saw the track video of him. And I think it was Judy. Uh, they did like a, a four by four, 100 meter uh, relay race, if you will, with the DBs from Alabama. And they absolutely, and I'm talking about the receivers, smoked the DBs. And Henry Ruggs uh, was the, the the guy on the last leg, if I can recall on that. And he just was booking it. And that just enticed me to say, like, I really want to see what he can do in terms of running the 40 and, and the other drills as well at the combine. So I'll be definitely anticipating him. He's a guy we might get at 20. He might be gone by the end, but we'll see. And then T. Higgins is a guy that uh, he has a lot of DeAndre Hopkins in him. Uh, if you could get him at 20, that's a steal to me, in my opinion. Um, he's a guy that he, he has the wingspan. Uh, he has that catch radius like DeAndre Hopkins. And he's a guy that, uh, if to my recollection, he doesn't have a lot of drops as well. You know, that's Jaguars need sure-handed guys uh, because that's the area they've struggled at, whether it's Keelan Cole or... Didi, I know Didi's had a lot of drops over the past few years, so they've kind of struggled in that apart that department. And if you can um, pair up T. Higgins with DJ Chark, a Pro Bowler, a guy that is arguably one of the fastest receivers in the league, you know you'll be cooking with fire. And I think Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles would love that. Uh, they also need a tight end, but you know you can get one of those later. So that being said, T. Higgins from Clemson is the last guy that I'm looking forward to in terms of the combine. And just to kind of follow up a little bit on uh, Igbenogany, Jay, one thing you didn't even touch on is his return ability because he he did a little bit of that at Auburn too, didn't he? Yeah, he did a little bit of that as well. And, you know, the Jaguars need every edge they can get. Like if you can, if you can get that edge on special teams, you know what I'm saying? Like that helps you. That gives you the that's that's playoff caliber type of 
that's building a playoff caliber type of team. When you have all of the pieces on defense, offense, and special teams ability, that gives you an edge that could kick in in the playoffs. You know, you sometimes you need that extra uh, punt return or that good position from a punt return or that touchdown from a punt return or that touchdown from a kick return. And uh, yeah, definitely from that standpoint, uh, you know, definitely you, you're not going to see many people that can uh, run with him speed wise. So he, he could definitely be dangerous from that perspective as well. Now, when you bring up rugs, I mean, he, he has already come out and said he wants to beat the 40 record. Like if that guy runs even anywhere close to that, if he's in the four twos, that guy is definitely not going to be there at 20. And you, I, I, I wouldn't put it past seeing somebody try and get up there in the top 10 to take that guy. I mean, I, and, and when, and when you talk about T Higgins possibly being the next Deandre Hopkins, you know, that's another guy I think to keep an eye on that's going to go earlier, a lot earlier than people expect. And, you know, it's kind of strange, you know, Jerry Judy was in the, you know, in the news today for all the wrong reasons. I'm not going to repeat what he said, but he was talking about the chain that he was wearing, but we won't get into it here. But like you said, with how deep this class is, you know, is there really in terms of the first round between when you're talking about a Ruggs, a Higgins, and then you bring in Jerry Judy and then a possibility of CeeDee Lamb being available. Is there really like a wrong choice at receiver I mean, in the first round? No, it re- to me, you can't really go wrong. Now, some people like our comrade Tony Pauline from the Draft Analyst Podcast that think it's a drop off of those first round receivers after, I guess you could say, after um, like uh, Judy and Lamb. He feels like it may be a drop off somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, but for me, like you, you really can't go wrong, especially like with the Jaguars. If they go with a receiver in the top ten, you would almost have to think it's Lamb or or Judy. Which to me, that those would be fine picks. Uh, something to keep in mind is Dave Caldwell's history with receivers. Dave Caldwell, for all the grief we give him, me in one area that me and Phil and Jacob have not given grief to Dave Caldwell on, or Tom Coughlin for that matter, is picking receivers. You know, while he did lose Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns in the end to find Hearns as an undrafted free agent to get Allen Robinson as a second round guy. They got some production out of Marquise Lee when he's been healthy uh, as a, a kickoff and a punt returner and a receiver. You know, they've gotten some production out of him. Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole is another one. These guys know what they're doing when it comes to finding a receiver. You're absolutely right on that feeling. Uh, you know, he he's so good at it to where you could trust him to get a receiver uh, after the first round, maybe in the second or third or fourth round and have somebody that's productive from that perspective. But if he went uh, with a receiver in the first round, I wouldn't complain about it. And I definitely would trust his judgment on receivers because he definitely, uh, you know, his work with receivers definitely warrants that trust. Now, other positions, not so much. But if Dave Caldwell goes with a receiver, in the first round, you better believe, you better bet your behind off that that receiver is probably going to be pretty good. And uh, the most recent, I guess, example you could say of that, of course, is DJ Chark, who is now a pro bowler and who is a guy that is just eating uh, defenses alive when, you know, you can't really focus on him. And that's what the Jaguars need, somebody to take the focus off of DJ Chark. We saw him kind of slow down towards the end of the season. And, you know, like you, you're a little bit beat up and battered at the end of the season, so that played into it, too. But they do need that guy, whether it's a tight end or another receiver, to take it to where teams can't focus on DJ Chark. And, you know, if they could do that, I mean, Gardner Minshew, I think, who's shown great deep ball ability, could have a field day with 
a guy like, you know, like a um, a lamb or a, a Jerry Judy and a DJ chart by his side. It would be nice to see them address, you know, both sides of the football with these picks. But who knows? I mean, it, like I said, the, this time of the year, you hear so many different rumors swirling. So we will, of course, see what happens there. But yeah, guys, that's it for our episode this week. We took a little bit of a break, of course, of the positional breakdown, but uh, it is combine week. So there was plenty to talk about. And yeah, guys, we uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, one of the best ways to support the show is, is go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and rate the show. And you can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, luminary and tune in of course we're at believe.com and at believe podcast jay uh, you know like we said it's draft season so there's going to be plenty of content what do you have prepared for everybody here in these next upcoming weeks leading up to the draft yep just a lot of stuff previewing the combine you know players to look at which we've kind of covered here uh so that could double as content now that i think about it uh yeah but we'll be looking at that and um you know what could be on the horizon for in terms of free agency uh, because free agency or the combine does provide a lot of free agency takes and rumors. Uh, so we'll be doing that as well. And uh, of course we'll be watching the combine, looking at performances, looking at, uh, you know, interviews or uh, what we could gather from interviews and, and putting what we can into prospects and basically, you know, getting ready for what's going to be the busiest part of the off season as the NFL draft will follow. That's right, guys. So keep it locked in to the Jaguars wire. And of course, right here at the Believe in Jaguars podcast. Again, if you are interested in advertising in the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. I'm Phil Smith, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. That's James Johnson at SportsGrind underscore Don. We'll see you guys next time. We certainly believe. We hope you do, too. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.